already pushing through our Bengals top 25 list going into 2023. We got through number 25 yesterday, who was Lyle Collins. Today, number 24 is Miles Murphy. He is number 24 on our list of the top 25 Bengals going into next year. And he's in a very interesting place because, without giving away too many details, uh, as a rookie, he is on this list, which is very different from everyone else on the list. And that's why I think there's a very lengthy discussion to be had about how and why Miles Murphy is on this list. Welcome into another top 25 edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad, Andrew Gillis, Mike Nislik here with you. And before we get going, we want to remind you all to tell us why you're a Bengals fan. We read our first response yesterday on the podcast. It was great. We even had a discussion based off of that response because it was awesome. If you missed it, tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, So if you want to tell us your story, go to strictlystripes.com and fill out the form that says why I'm a Bengals fan. Or if it's easier, you can email us directly at stripes at cleveland.com. We're going to be reading these responses, uh, I want to say about once a week, maybe twice a week if these responses keep trickling in. Uh, So make sure you do that. So like I said, Miles Murphy at numero 24. I think this is uh, very interesting because, again, we we could all agree he's probably – well, not probably. He's definitely not going to be a starter next year. Uh, he is not going to beat out Sam Hubbard or Trey Hendrickson for a starting role. He is going to have a role, though, a role significant enough that he's on this list. Um, and so I'm thinking who – did either of you guys have him specifically at 24? Because I think I actually did have him at 24. Did either of you guys have him right at 24? I don't think I don't think I did. Uh, I, I would have so to it look, looks yeah, like you did not. I don't not. think I had him in my top twenty-five. No, you did. Yeah, you, you had him. At, you you did. You had him at twenty-five, yeah. Andrew. I did. Okay, you I did. Had him, uh, so I had him at twenty-five. There we go. All right. So flip there him to Lyle Collins. And I'm I'm all right. Yeah, and then Mike had him at. Looks like so. I'm looking up at our individual list that we used to make the the final aggregated list. You had him at twenty-three. So. 23, 24, 25. I guess naturally, uh, 24 was that nice, happy medium. Uh, Andrew, you had him in your top 25, although you almost didn't think that you did. Um, why did you think Miles Murphy was worth squeezing in at that 25 spot? Well, you know, you know, I, I talked about it yesterday with Lael. Um, you know, I mentioned with him, it, it was hard for me to say, you know, oh, well, Miles Murphy obviously has to be above, you know, this guy and this guy, or, you know, Brad Robbins has to be above this guy and this guy. Just like, it felt a little projection. And and I just didn't like that. Um, you know, it, it felt, um, it, it felt a little too weird. But I think when you when you start to get to this point, I mean, I would probably feel better about Murphy and, and kind of how Murphy's going to play uh, going into 2023 than I would I mean, I feel I feel more confident that like he's going to have a bigger role than I do about um, you know I'm trying to think of a couple examples. Travion Williams. I'm just I, I don't I don't view Travion Williams as kind of having this you know immediate you know door opening to to playing time. I just I just I mean I think it's a like there's a pretty good case that Travion Williams is going to ride the bench again. Where uh, you know if if Chase Brown plays well, then I mean you, how many running backs can you realistically rotate through? So. There, there's just guys like that where I look and I, I think Murphy is, um, you know, it, when you kind of look at his career, I mean, he was obviously a very, very highly touted recruit. Uh, he was, you know, I think it, like he was a five-star player, a top 10 player, 
uh, in the country. Every single school in the country wanted him. So, I mean, you look back to this guy's high school career, he's always been kind of a physical freak and, you know, that, uh, you know, teams are dying to get their hands on. And now you get a guy six foot five, 275 coming in. I think that you can, you can kind of pencil that in for a handful of sacks. And, and if you get that, I think that's, uh, that's going to be pretty valuable for the 2023 Bengals. So, Mike, you had him a little bit higher. You had him above, obviously, on your list, you had him above Travion Williams and Daxel, respectively, um, and which is interesting to me. But I'm just curious, why did you have Murphy a little bit higher than, you know, me and Andrew? Yeah, I just think that the pass rushing is going to be really important. I mean, I think Sam Hubbard and um, um, Trey Hendrickson have played a lot of snaps the last couple of years. I think that they need a guy that can come in and, and really kind of, I don't know, provide some um, – really quality snaps, give them a rest, keep them fresh. I think that was a problem late in the year where they were just, I don't know, it felt like they were just a little run down and that any time that they went out, uh, there wasn't much production at all. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of worry that um, if he doesn't uh, um, contribute significantly, you know, 450 you know, quality snaps that the Bengals could really, um, you know, the defense could lag a little bit because I think that, one of the areas that they struggled with was that, you know, generating pressure up front. Yeah, I agree with everything you and Andrew said there. They need the pressure. They need the juice. And, you know, they were lucky that Miles Murphy fell as late as he did at uh, pick number 28. I mean, I think most of us, including the Bengals, even thought he would be drafted much higher than that. But it was a very interesting first round, which I guess was good for the Bengals. So you got to take advantage of a guy like that. And, yeah, I mean, he has to be on this list because, you know, although, again, without giving away a lot of details, most of the people on this list are starters. But when you think about the, the importance of getting to the quarterback, like you're, you're facing Patrick Mahomes, you're facing Josh Allen, you're facing Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. I don't care if you play. I mean, I'm not saying you can only play 10 snaps off the bench, but like you play 10 snaps, 20, 30. Like if you make the most of those and you get to each of those quarterbacks once or twice on like a third down, like that's a big deal. Like think about Joseph Osai last year. Um, didn't play many snaps against the Chiefs in that uh, regular season win in Cincinnati. But one of the snaps he had, third down sack late in the game where they missed that field goal that allowed Joe Burrow to ice the game. That's huge, you know? And I don't know what else he did in that game. I'd have to go back and look at the film, but people are only going to remember that one play. Zach Taylor called it the hustle of the century. So who knows if Miles Murphy can have that one, maybe two hustles of the century. I would absolutely think you have to put him on this list. This is interesting, though. So I'm looking at all of our respective lists. Andrew and I both had Dax Hill at, uh, let me see here. Yeah, we both had him at 23. And Surprise, it's already on our website. Dax Hill is actually number 23 on our list. Not because it's his jersey number, but because he's actually number 23 on our list. Um, but I saw you had it flipped, Mike. You had Miles Murphy at 23 and Dax Hill at 24. I want to save, obviously, a lot of stuff about Dax Hill specifically for tomorrow. But do you feel like the, the generating the pass rush pressure with Murphy is more important than you know, Hill having to worry about quarterbacks throwing towards him like next season? Like what was kind of your reasoning putting him above Dax Hill? Well, I, I think he's got a higher upside um, than Dax Hill um, as an individual player. And this guy was thought about as one time as like a top five, top 10 potential pick uh, as a freshman. Um, he plateaued a little bit, but I mean, that's still, um, 
you know, that's still, that talent's still there. So uh, I'm curious if the Bengals can kind of unlock that. Um, he's got all the physical tools um, and that I, you know, size and speed that I think could be a really special player. So that, that's kind of why I rated him higher. Um, you know, I think Dax Hill and his role at safety is certainly going to be important uh, over the next, you know, six months. But in terms of who I think is going to be the better player, I think Miles Murphy is, is you know, um, for this year, I, I, I just I feel like he's better set up to succeed. So is it that he's better or better set up to succeed? Is it both or is it one or the other? I, I mean, both, really. I, I, I think, you know, he's a, a guy that I, I just – Talent-wise, would rank ahead of Dax Hill, and you know I, th- I think he's going to have a more successful season. Andrew, you and I obviously had Dax Hill at number twenty-three, which is ultimately where he landed. Do you, do you think that Miles Murphy uh, is in the right spot? Like, I mean, I mean, what do you think of that? Obviously, you and I are on, on the different side of that. What are your What are your thoughts on that? Well, in, in well, in terms of what Miles Murphy versus Dax Hill, or Miles Murphy just how like is up? What What do you mean? I guess yeah, Miles Murphy versus Dax Hill because I I think obviously there's a good debate to be had. Like, do you rank Miles Murphy higher? Is he in the right spot? Like, you know, did he get ranked too low? I don't know. Like, compared to Dax Hill, at least. I mean, c- compared to Dax, you know, I think you know I actually had you know I think we all if, if as as I kind of look at our list here, I had Dax twenty third. Um, you know, I think I kind of ranked them separately. I think. Dax Hill, Miles Murphy, are, th- this is an interesting story idea that I, I do want to explore at some point. Um, and, you know, I, I, look, they're, they're two different players. They play two different positions. They're, they, I mean, they come from different backgrounds, like, but they're, I mean, they're both highly touted recruits. They're both athletic freaks. I, I am very fascinated to see how Dax Hill plays this year because, uh, you know, I mean, Dax, you're talking about a guy who, who obviously, he was moving all around the defense last year. He was playing corner. He had to play in the slot. He had to play a bunch of different positions. You're not going to get that with Miles Murphy. He's going to be a rush end. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting year for, for these guys because you look at just the projection of, of kind of what you want uh, their careers to be, and you need Dax Hill to play well this year. And next year, the Bengals might need Miles Murphy to play well. Then, you know, this year, Miles Murphy's kind of a luxury. And, you know, if, if he forces his way into the starting lineup, that's a good thing. Um, you know, there, there's just a lot going on there. So, yeah, I, I think they're, they're similar players. I mean, they've kind of drafted for a year in advance. And I think that that's what good and smart teams do. Um, but we'll see, because if you draft for a year in advance and it doesn't work out, it, uh, it can really hurt you. Yeah, that's so that that is an interesting story idea. Very insightful thinking. I think the reason why this is so interesting, and, and I actually think like whether it's twenty three or twenty four, I think both of them are in a good spot. Like I don't think either or is higher than twenty three or twenty four. Like I wouldn't have put either of them, for example, at like twenty, twenty one, twenty two. Like debating between Miles Murphy at twenty three and or, I'm sorry, Miles Murphy at twenty four and Daxel at twenty three. I think that's good because it shows you they're both trying to do the same thing, which is, you know, stopping the pass attack. They're just doing it in different ways. Obviously, you know, Dax Hill is going to be in the defensive backfield, trying to fill Jesse Bates' shoes. And Miles Murphy's trying to give, you know, the pass rush that juice, which if he can get to the quarterback, then that just makes Dax Hill, you know, it makes his job a lot easier. So, you know, you look at the importance of the pass defense, and that's where I think 
there's a very symbiotic relationship there that is exemplified by the 23-24 spot. So that is um, very, very uh, interesting. I think well, that and, is definitely and, a good story to look at. If I can jump in at. one more time, I, I know, yeah. um, you know a, a lot of people, I, I, I look at the projections for, you know, kind of, I, I guess what, or I guess in pr- by projections, I mean, I, I try to judge, you know, without really quantitative numbers, kind of what people are expecting Miles Murphy to be. And I, I mean, I think that people just kind of get it in their mind that like, all right, well, Dax Hill's obviously going to be really good because, you know, X, Y, and Z. And okay, well, Miles Murphy's obviously going to be really good. Uh, you know, as we were talking, I pulled up the last, you know, handful of 28th overall picks. Here we go. Devontae Wyatt. Peyton Turner, Patrick Queen, Jerry Tillery, Terrell Edmonds, Taco Charlton, Joshua Garnett, Lakin Tomlinson, Kelvin Benjamin, and Sylvester Williams. Like, those are not exactly like, you know, the, the, like all pros in the league. I mean, no, just only two of those names stick out to me. What's that? Only two of those names stick out to yeah, me. Patrick like, you know, Queen, like, and, and I forget and the other. Patrick Queen, I mean, he's kind of been he's kind of been traded for over because the Ravens had to go out and get Roquan Smith. So, like, right. you know, there are guys who like you you would recognize, like, oh, Patrick Queen, you know, you know, he's decent, but okay, well, you know, the Ravens obviously don't think a ton of him, or at least not as much as uh, they had hoped. Where you know he's not you know that elite level linebacker that they were hoping for. So. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I just I look at these these picks, and I think, you know, not to be a wet blanket, but I do think people kind of just assume that hey, this team has had a pretty good draft track record over the last handful of years. Uh, you know, you look back to that, uh, you know, that twenty twenty class, like, oh, you know, th- they'll be fine, they'll figure it out. Like, it, eventually, they're gonna miss, and they're not gonna miss with like, you know, and, and I mean, you saw last year, I thought Cam Taylor Cam Taylor Britt played pretty well at the end of the year. Um, you know, and that, that looks like a guy who, who could make a, a pretty big year to jump. Like eventually they're going to miss with one of these picks. So, you know, I, I just think people need to like be aware of that and kind of understand that like, you know, Miles Murphy has all the athletic tools, but I mean, how many times have, have there been guys in the NFL who you look at him and say, man, he had everything you could possibly need, but he just could never put it together or, you know, something happened. So th- there's always kind of issues there. So, um, it, it, it's, it's not a given that this guy is going to be productive in year one or, or as productive as people want in his Bengals career. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to see. I think this year will be, will be pretty telling actually. So I'm just curious. So you, you read off, that's very interesting, by the way, you read off all the, the number 20 overall picks in the last couple of drafts. Did, did you have a list pulled up for like the number 30th overall picks or I guess, wait, Dax Hill was 30th or 32nd. I have to remember. Dax Hill was 31st. 31st, thank you, somewhere yeah, in the middle. Because, Did yeah, you have a list pulled the, up for that? Uh, I do right now. Um, uh, I don't know who went. This is not updated for 2023. Um, but Dax Hill, obviously. Uh, Adafe Owe for the Ravens. Jeff Gladney for the Vikings. Caleb McGarry for the Falcons. Sony Michelle, Patriots. Ruben Foster, 49ers. Jermaine Iafidi, Seahawks. Uh, Stephon Anthony, Saints. Bradley Roby, Broncos. Like, you, you get the point. Like, you know, yeah. some of these guys at the end of the first round, like you're not drafting Aaron Donald and, and, and Ed Reed in the back of the rounds. Like, I mean, obviously I'm not saying that, you know, they can't have great productive careers with the Bengals. It's just, you know, th- there should be, I think, some context kind of laid in here of like, look, I mean, everybody said that these guys were going to go really high, but everybody also thought Will Levis was going top four, top five. Like sometimes people are wrong and sometimes these NFL teams are right. So we'll, uh, 
we'll have to see. So this year's pick was actually Felix Anudike Uzama, who went to the Kansas ah, City right, Chiefs. Right, right. Yep, former K-State edge rusher. So that that's who this year's guy is. And, and who knows? I mean, uh, that situation with Chris Jones is interesting. So, I mean, they could definitely use any help they can get in the pass rush. So, yeah, that's who they got there. Stay with us. We have a special guest who you might not expect to join us, but he is Corey Patterson, the Purdue football wide receivers coach. Plot twist, he did not coach Charlie Jones last year. I know what you're thinking. He actually coached Chase Brown uh, as the Illinois running backs coach last year. So I got you there. I know what you're thinking. He's going to talk about Chase Brown with me, what to expect from him in the NFL, and why he was a pleasure to coach. When we return right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. All right. Thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Joining me is Purdue football assistant coach Corey Patterson, who was just recently the Illinois football running back coach. And as you all know, he coached Bengals fifth round pick Chase Brown, who we are going to be talking about today. Uh, coach, I really appreciate you making time, especially uh, during the offseason, if you want to call it the offseason, how have you been and how has the uh, adjustment to Purdue been for you? Been pretty good. I want to know if you call it the offseason. <laughs> we were right. rolling over here, yeah. But, yeah, it's been really good, man. It's, the, the transaction, I mean, the transition's been really good. See, it's it's kind of funny. I'm sure when I said Purdue football coach Corey Patterson, people thought I was probably going to ask you about Charlie Jones. But his coach uh, just missed you because he's now at Louisville, Garrick McGee. I don't know if you guys ever crossed paths. So it's just funny seeing all the crossover and the turnover in the college football world. No doubt. No doubt. It happens, it happens so often a little bit. It seems like too often sometimes. Definitely, definitely. I think there's definitely a good case there. But uh, kind of going back to Chase Brown, I mean, you look at the success he had uh, in his you know, last two years at Illinois, you know, and obviously it's why he's in the NFL. It's, you know, one of many reasons why the Bengals liked him along with, you know, kind of what Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator said, uh, they really liked his vision. They liked his agility and his acceleration. And I think the pass blocking was obviously a big bonus because uh, he's probably going to be the replacement to Samaj P. Ryan. So just, just coaching a guy like that, you know, how rewarding was that for you? And what was so awesome about Chase Brown? It's always rewarding when you coach a guy that works that hard. Um, I just thought Chase was one of those guys that you never really had to have your thumb on. He knew what he wanted, so he knew what the expe- expectations were, and he came every day to come work. Like, you never had to worry about if he was going to be working. The guy, he outworked everybody. And, I mean, that's easy to coach. You know, I think the big story with Chase that many people knew about, you know, before he came to Cincinnati and right when he came to Cincinnati is, you know, the very tough and even, I think, painful journey he had to overcome, you know, growing up, you know, with his family situation, you know, for him to overcome all those obstacles and all those hurdles and then to work as hard as he did, like you mentioned, you know, how much did that maybe rub off on the rest of the team and, you know, his other teammates who were kind of seeing his success? Um, Especially in the running back room, I thought it rubbed off on a lot of guys. Uh, Whenever you're able to see a guy that that comes in, put his head down, works, um, when no one else is taking notes, he's taking notes when – when everyone else leaves the football field and he goes to the weight room, um, that was one of those things that rubs off on it. Not just not just the running back room, but the whole team. You know, obviously, um, he, he spent four years at Illinois, but it was really his last two years where he just got, you know, seemingly based on his numbers, just better and better, uh, especially in his senior year. You know, wh- what went into that? Like, what, what did you do to kind of help him work on different techniques, different moves that allowed him to rush for 500 more yards and, you know, five five more touchdowns in his senior year. 
Um, I think for Chase Moore, it was just about being a little more patient. He prepared the right way. Um, sometimes he's a little anxious about getting out there and going and playing, but like, cause he wanted to get out there so much, but, uh, more of it was about the preparation and, and how he handled things. Um, once he, once he slowed the game down a little bit in his head, I mean, it, he took over. Who were, I'm just curious, cause I'm, I'm sure you had a, I think just looking at, you know, your resume, you've had a very lengthy coaching career. Are there any other guys that you've personally coached who are in the NFL right now as we speak? I had youth football, I had Jamison Williams, um, Wow. The Detroit Lions. Right. Um, who else? There's a few guys out there. I'm um Tony Adams. Um is with the Jets right now. Um it's gonna be some guys I'm gonna forget and I'm gonna get a phone call and say, Why didn't you say my name? But just right <laughs> offhand. There's been a few guys out there right now. And a few so more I guess- will be coming soon. Oh, for sure. So, you know, obviously you've got a good pedigree there of, you know, coaching guys who are in the league right now. But, you know, are there any like talented, even like veteran running backs that like you watch in the NFL right now who kind of remind you of Chase or who you think Chase has like the potential to replicate? In my opinion, I think Chase is his own animal. Um, just with the way this is with the way he plays at the line of scrimmage and uh, in between tackles, maybe getting in and out his breaks. Um, I mean, it's going to be some resemblance of a little bit of everybody, but he's a. Uh, He's really his own animal. You know, he told me, I, I talked with Chase one-on-one, I think a week after he was drafted uh, during their rookie minicamp. You know, I said, who do you kind of look up to? And he actually said Joe Mixon, you know, his current I teammate. I knew he was going to say that. I knew he was going to say that. I'm a, I was 100% sure that that was about to come out of your mouth. I was trying not to say that myself. Yeah, but yeah. So, so, that, that's some of the so he told you that. To yeah, that's some of the film that he asked me to cut up for him in, while he played, and he kind of watched that. Um, like during the breaks over the summer before senior year, I knew that I knew you were gonna say that. When that came <laughs> so I guess that obviously confirms what he was saying. He wasn't just saying that as like a, a teammate. He genuinely looked up to Joe Mixon and looks up to him, and you know models his game after him. I guess you know like when you talked about like the film he was cutting up, or, or I guess that you were cutting up. Like what was it about Joe Mixon's play that he really liked and that you really liked and that helped him? You know replicate that to be successful in 2022 i think joe's like he's really patient um he's a patient runner that a lot of people don't talk about but once he's in between the tackles he can get out of there and he's really good in open space so i thought that was one of the things that that chase really worked on that he worked on trying to develop and continue to get better at looking at cincinnati's offense obviously you know they're one of the best in the league with their offensive line adding orlando brown they have joe burrow who is trying to, you know, win his first Super Bowl after having already been in it. I mean, you look at that Cincinnati offense, and how, how do you kind of see Chase fitting into that? Obviously, he's going to have to compete uh, for that third down running back spot with Travion Williams, but regardless of how that plays out, like, why do you think Cincinnati is a good fit for Chase? I just think um, it takes a little pressure away when you go to a team that's, a, that's already in a good place. Um, now, all he has to do is come in and be Chase Brown. He doesn't have to come in and try to carry a team. Um, he'll come in and continue to learn and develop. And I think before you know it, uh, we'll be seeing a lot of Chase Brown. We'll be seeing a lot of Chase Brown in the Pro Bowl, getting first-team All-Pro honors in the future. <laughs> I try to speak for myself on some of those things, but uh, I'm excited about what's going to happen with Chase going forward. Uh, definitely, definitely. Uh, Coach, I guess just kind of my la- last question to wrap up here. Um, I know you mentioned, like, some of the other guys you coached up in the NFL, like Janison Williams and Tony Adams. And without, like, you know, taking anything away from those guys, you know, Chase Brown's success story from what he overcame to what he did in college to where he is now, where does that kind of compare with, like, just 
the guys that you have coached who are just successful in, in their current lifetimes right now? Well, just to be honest with you, um, I kind of feel like I do my best coaching job with guys that come from those tough backgrounds because um, you're developing more than just a football player. You get to help develop a young man that, that comes from um, certain situations and learning how to overcome those situations. So I think a lot of the guys that I've coached, just to be honest with you, come from tough backgrounds because I come from an area where I, mean, I come from a tough background. So I'm able to relate to those guys and um, hopefully push them in the right direction. It seems like it's been going well so far. And I said that was my last question, but since you mentioned that, like I know you mentioned you coming from a tough background, like how how do you sort of work differently with guys like that versus other guys who maybe didn't have it as hard, like you know, coming up when they were younger? I think the easiest thing in the world is ask a young man to be himself, um, not try to change who he is, not try to change the dynamic of where he comes from, and just continue to build on where he comes from and not try to change it. So I mean, I, I think that's the easiest thing in the world for me to do because I mean, I'm in a position right now where I work for a head coach that's not trying to change me, so I get to come in and be Corey Patterson every day, and that's what I ask my guys to do. All right. You heard it himself. That is Corey Patterson, Purdue assistant football coach who last coached Chase Brown at Illinois as a running backs coach. Coach, uh, again, really appreciate you making time, especially uh, in the month of June where everything's, I guess, somewhat dead right now. So really enjoyed this chat and uh, really appreciate you again. All right. Thanks, my man. Thanks a lot. Likewise. Don't Call go away. Back. We'll be right Call back. back after the Pro Bowl. Call me back after <laughs> a few years when you go into the Pro Bowl. Definitely. We'll be right back on the Strictly Stripes podcast. All right, thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So we took a little break from our uh, Top 25 discussion. We had uh, Purdue football assistant coach Corey Patterson talking about Chase Brown. Uh, and to kind of, you know, wrap this up, you know, and actually I wanted your all's thoughts on this. I know this is a little bit impromptu before we get back into our Top 25 discussion. Like there was one thing that I thought was interesting when I was talking with uh, Coach Patterson. So I was asking him, you know, do you compare Chase Brown to any running backs in the NFL? And he kind of gave the cookie cutter, ah, you know, not really. He's his own guy. And then I said, well, did you know Chase Brown looked up to Joe Mixon? And he cut me off and said, I knew you would say that. Like he was just laughing, saying, I knew you would say that because uh, they would actually watch film of Joe Mixon, you know, at Illinois last year, like during the week, whenever Chase Brown tried to like, you know, work on his techniques and work on some things. And he was saying, yeah, since I kind of pulled like uh, that card there, you could say he said you could say that like he's a lot like Joe Mixon in some ways. I know we've talked about Chase Brown a lot and, you know, what to expect with him and training camp and all that. But do, do you actually see a little bit of Joe Mixon in Chase Brown's game with, you know, what little film we've seen of him so far? I don't know. I mean, you know, we'll see. I mean, running backs all have their own style. Um, you know, he was a guy that. Uh, took on a lot of carries in college. Um, so I, I don't know. Took a took a punishment. Was able to do that. I'm not sure how his style compares stylistically. He's he's a similar runner to uh, Joe Mixon. Just haven't seen enough of him. Yeah, I don't know. I actually think so. I wanted to kind of see the case here. Like I wanted to weigh the case of like how true that was. So I watched you know Joe Mixon's best plays last year. I just pulled up some clips on. Uh, I think it was the NFL plus thing that we use just, you know, some film. And then I looked at Chase Brown's clips that I saw on YouTube and I'm not going to lie. They're too, they're built differently because, you know, Mixon's a little bit taller and heavier. I think Mixon's six one Brown's just above five, nine, but their vision is very similar, very similar vision downfield, which I guess alludes to what Brian Callahan was talking about when, you know, they initially drafted Brown, you know, almost two months ago now, which is crazy. Yeah, they have very similar vision. I don't know if they cut the same, 
Maybe they do. That's hard for me to say because I'm not a coach. Maybe they do, I guess. People can weigh on that better than me, but that is very interesting. Maybe the Bengals thought, okay, we can't get an Oklahoma running back, but we're going to get a running back just like Joe Mixon. Maybe they – I mean, like I said, they, they want to keep Mixon as their starter, so they figured we'll, we'll try to bring someone just like him to eventually succeed him in the future. So maybe that's the plan. Maybe that's some context clues. But uh, to kind of wrap up our discussion here since we're talking about Miles Murphy being number 24 on our list – uh, and I know you wrote about this a little bit, Mike, because uh, this was a story you had on the website. And I want you to chime in on this too, Andrew. We can set, you know, different expectations for, you know, Miles Murphy. And we know what he's going to be asked to do. But what would a disappointing 2023 season look like for Miles Murphy? Like, what would he have to do to be considered having had a disappointing rookie season? Like I wrote, that his snaps would have to fall off as the season went on, that, you know, the, the team trusted guys like Joseph Asai instead of him. Um, I just, I think he needs to, I think he needs to be out, out the opposite. I think they need to trust him more as the season goes on. Um, you know, production wise, it's hard. He's only going to get probably four, you know, I think in a good day, I think it's 450 snaps probably, maybe 500. Um, but, you know, five sacks, six sacks would probably be considered a success. Um, I'm not sure four sacks, you know, would be a disappointment. I just think um, it needs to be, you know, a guy that they can trust in the lineup in key situations. Uh, I think that's what would, you know, avoid a disappointing season. Andrew, do you concur with that? Or do you think maybe there's a little more like to that as far as like what a disappointing season would look like? For for Miles Murphy, right? Um, yeah. You know, that's that's hard because, you know, I, you look at kind of where the Bengals were in sacks last year and you say, oh, well, you know, very clearly their, you know, their their pass rush was was abhorrent. And, and you can kind of look at this and say how bad they were. Um, I mean, and when you only get 30 sacks, I mean, you don't have much of a benefit of the doubt there. Um, you know, especially when, you know, half of your sacks essentially are almost 14 and a half out of 30 come from your, your two edge rushers. But if you can, if you can get Murphy, you know, pressures on the quarterback, which is actually something that, you know, the, the defense did a decent job of, you know, there's some, there's some kind of advanced numbers and, you know, some, some win pass rush win rates and things like that, that, that kind of indicate that actually they, they did get after the quarterback a little more than you would think. Um, they just didn't get him on the ground. I mean, obviously that's a big deal. You've got to create negative plays. I mean, second and 10 with an incomplete pass is so much different than, you know, second and 16. Um, so, you know, you've got to put teams behind the chains. Um, so if you can just, if you can get like, you know, uh, you know, similar to what Mike said, like if you can get like four or five sacks, maybe out of miles Murphy, I mean, obviously this depends on Hendrickson and Hubbard's health. Like this goes out the window if if one of them needs to miss a month or so, um, I mean you're gonna need uh, you're gonna need guys to step up. But yeah, I, I I think you you just need quality quality depth time from him, and you need a, a guy who can get you you know four or five sacks. And if you do that, I think uh, I think you're feeling okay about that. Yeah, it, it sounds like it's a quality over quantity type thing because. I mean, my mix up, Mike makes a point. If he does lose snaps to like Joseph Osai or maybe even Cam Sample, that's definitely a problem. But even if he only gets a few more snaps than them, like not many more snaps than them than you would think, I think it's fine just as long as however many more snaps that is, 
are being used effectively. Like I, I mentioned sort of the hustle of the century Osai had on Patrick Mahomes last year. Like if you can get him to make plays like that on Josh Allen or, you know, on run defense against guys like Nick Chubb, who they're going to deal with twice a year and they're going to see Derrick Henry again, then yeah, I think that's, that's awesome. Um, I, I don't really know if it's fair to say he needs X amount of sacks or X amount of tackles. Cause like I said, what if you get three sacks that are all quality sacks that were game changing sacks versus Six sacks where it's like, okay, cool, but only like one of them made a difference and the other five didn't change the impact of the game. Not take away from that because sacks are important, of course, and, and they need more of that because they did not get many last year. But yeah, it's I think it just comes down to quality over quantity, and you can weigh that however you like. Uh, but like I mentioned earlier, um, number 23 on our list is number 23 himself, Dax Hill. We already talked a little bit about him today. We're going to talk a lot more about him tomorrow and maybe where he fell with the rest of uh, the bottom five of our top 25 lists. So uh, make sure you tune in for that. And we're going to ha- hopefully have more of these uh, interviews of these college coaches from these Bengals rookies like Corey Patterson, who joined us today. But once again, for myself, Andrew and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Don't forget to sign up for the Strictly Stripes newsletter at cleveland.com slash newsletters and our Cincinnati Football Insider Subtext Service. See you on Thursday.